You are now listening to The Model Mindset. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We are pumped to have you guys in today because we have such an amazing guest joining us. We are joined by men's Quinnipiac University soccer coach, Eric DaCosta. So Eric is going into his 19th season as the men's soccer coach. He's the longest tenured men's soccer coach in Quinnipiac's history. He was named the 2002 Coach of the Year for his conference for his outstanding leadership. The honor is Eric's third since joining in 2013. We have a great conversation with Eric today talking about all the things that go into coaching, including recruiting, going overseas, learning language barriers to get new players to come over, building cultures, and most importantly, his creation in Soccer Night in Newtown, which is a fundraiser and relief effort for children in the Newtown community that were affected by the horrendous acts back in 2012. Eric has so many great nuggets in this episode about what he looks for in constructing a competitive team, how he builds a foundation in his culture, what he looks for in top talent and how they fit, and most importantly, how he can get them to become the best versions of themselves. We hope you guys really enjoyed this episode with Eric DaCosta, men's coach at Quinnipiac University. So Eric, what jumped out to me when John and I were doing some background on you and, and your bio is your you're constructing of putting together a competitive team during your tenure with the program. It's been incredible. You know, how do you keep that fire burning every year to build that type of program that's competitive every season? No, I appreciate that. And it's, um, it certainly isn't easy and it certainly wasn't always the case. Um, you know, early on, we, we obviously had our struggles and, you know, trying to find that consistency and trying to, you know, sort of cultivate and create an identity. And, um, you know, I, I talk to people about this a lot and it's, it's more, you know, it's more a product of longevity than, than it is anything else, you know, and, and the longer that, uh, you're fortunate enough to, to be in a place, then, uh, the more likely you are to be able to really truly put your stamp on, on something and, and try to create it in your, your own way. Um, and that's where I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate to, you know, be in a place that, um, you know, appreciates what we do and, you know, appreciates uh, how I try to run a program and um, it gives me the latitude to be able to, you know, sort of do things my way and implement my ideas and, and try to, you know, create something in what I think or I try to to do in my own identity. You know, I think it's important to be authentic. And, and when you don't feel like you have the time to do that, especially in this business, in this injury, it's in this industry, it's it's results oriented and you feel like you have to win and I have to win now. And sometimes you have to win at all costs. And yeah. what, what are you going to sacrifice in order to, in order to do that? Um, and I've never really been in that position. Fortunately, I think that's a self-imposed pressure that, you know, I put on myself, but I've never felt from, you know, my bosses or my administration that, Hey, you need to do it this way or else, you know, so yeah. you know, thankfully I've been in, in a position where I've had that, uh, the ability to do my work uh, to the best of my ability and in a way that I feel is right. Uh, and we've been able to build something and then, you know, thankfully we've been able to maintain it and, and, you know, have a little bit of success along the way, but uh, it's all built on the backs of really good people, you know, really good people and really good players and, um, I like to say that, you know, I'm just a sort of the guardian of, of the program and, 
you know, we're trying to to make it better. We're trying to build it. And I think one day I won't be in this position, um, whether it's forced upon me or whether I get told or whatever it is, you know, I don't think I'm going to be living here forever. And, um, and I want to make sure that we leave it in a good place for, for the next person. And, and it's in a better place than, uh, than when I had it and when I was a part of it. So, um, yeah, it's built on the backs of good people and, and people that have allowed me to, you know, do it in, in a way that I feel is, is right. And it's, it's given me and encouraged me to, to be able to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, and before we started recording here, we kind of talked about how you're in the thick of it right now, you know, and, and as a D1 college coach, it's more than just coaching. It's it's a whole, it's a year-round process for you. So could you give us kind of a, a quick glimpse on, on kind of what the year looks like for you as far as not just coaching, but with recruiting and everything else that goes into the program? Yeah, certainly more than just coaching. And it's it's gotten more complicated and more complex you know, over the last you know few years as well. Uh, with all the moving parts with the NCAA and you know transfer portals and um you know just young people in general. You know, they've they've changed and um you know, I'm not gonna be that old guy that goes back in my day, we did it this way, it's not that you know, people change, you know, society changes and in a lot of ways they've it's changed for the better. Um but it's different, you know, so you have to be able to to adapt and be able to to be pliable with, with that along the way. But uh, a typical day, I mean, shit, uh, it starts in the morning, <laughs> ends late at night. I mean, it's yeah. know, no, no day is the same. Um, no season is the same. No year is the same. No mm-hmm. uh, process to recruit a player is the same. Everything is really unique and, and really different. You know, we have a process that we we try to to follow and processes that we we implement throughout each uh, each season and. Uh, from a technical playing standpoint, tactical, that type of thing, a recruiting philosophy. So, you know, we have processes that we we sort of try to stay true to in, in some of the work that we do. But um, no day is the same. And I think that's what what makes it really, you know, fun and interesting because there are so many things. You know, it's, yeah. you know, my day today started at 8 a.m. It was filled with, um, you know, Zoom calls in the morning, a, a conference call with, with some coaches and uh, in the early morning and then a staff meeting and then individual meetings with, with my team from about 11 a.m. to about 2.30 and then pick up my son from school, drop him off, go to practice, coach a youth team, you know, two youth teams back to back covering for another guy. And I'm sitting here with you guys. So um, and then when we're done, it'll be, you know, on the computer and, you know, trying to get prepared for another uh, another conference call that we have tomorrow with the league office. So um is a little bit of everything and in every little moment in between there is, you know, checking an email, returning a phone call to a recruit, watching a video, you know, all these things always mesh into, into yeah. the same day. Um, right. And we have a to-do list in the office and we come in and my assistant is really great with that with, with me because he knows I chase butterflies sometimes and I'll <laughs> off and get involved yeah. in something else. And he's like, coach, man, we got, these 19 things that we have to do today uh, and they're all really different, you know? So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's part of what keeps it all interesting is the fact that there's so many different layers to it and uh, it's really complex. It's, it's not, we bring a lot of young coaches into my staff uh, pretty often. Uh, and that's something that, you know, I take pride in is that we bring some young guys in and then we help them move on and, and, and make a career of it. Uh, and the first thing I tell them all the time is, you know, if you got into this because you want to coach the game, this is the wrong business for you because that's such a small percentage of what we actually do. 
you know, everything is so much more involved than just the getting on the field and, and running a training session or coaching a game. That's, you know, two hours out of the day, everything else, you know, is consumed with all the other moving parts of running a program and trying to manage people and trying to guide people through, through life, which, um, which is a difficult thing to do, but a really rewarding thing to do. And so Eric, you, you touch on it there. Um, culture, you know, was there a type of culture because you, you played for Quinnipiac, you play at your alma mater. Were there any influences that you kind of said, okay, this is the type of culture that I want to create for my program that helped you create the culture that you have now. And kind of, can you give us kind of a glimpse of that type of culture that you've created with Quinnipiac? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And, you know, we, we get asked that um, a lot because, uh, again, you know, longevity allows you to be in a, a position where you can sort of build something. And uh, and we do have a, a pretty identifiable, you know, culture within our program. Um, but it's hard to put your finger on that, you know, and we, we talk about culture and, you know, people ask that question, well, what, what's your culture and, and what do you do? I, and for me, culture is people, you know, it's yeah. about, about the people that are involved in whatever you're doing. In our case, a team. Uh, it's about those people. And in the business world, it's, you know, the people that work for you in, in your team, in your office, and in, in your company, in your business. And it's it's about those people. I think those people create the culture. Uh, and it's our job as, the, you know, the leaders of, of the program, and in my case, as, as the coach of the team and the leader of the program, to identify the right people and bring the right people in, you know, that fit sort of the identity that we want to have. And, and we talk about that on day one of preseason is, you know, what is a Quinnipiac soccer player? What does Quinnipiac soccer mean? What does it represent? And these are the things and you have to fit into these this category. Um, but the people do that. And, you know, yeah. if, if you bring in, you know, three or four people that aren't quite on board, then your culture changes. You know, so it's it's not like this is our culture. You have to fit into it and become who we are. Like this is our culture, but you make that. You know, yeah, right. so it's for me, it's about, I think, getting people in that, you know, believe in in what you want the place to, to represent or what your, your core values are. Uh, and then when they believe they buy in. Right. And once you mm-hmm. buy in, once you buy in, you're committed. And once you're yeah. committed, then you're giving everything, everything to that. Um, so, you know, identifying the right people that you feel are going to represent you in a certain way, uh, I think, is the most important part. And then your culture sort of organically just, you know, forms from there. Uh, and every year we're a little bit different, you know, but I think it's pretty identifiable, you know, who we are and, and what we represent, even though everybody brings something different to the table. You know, we're a program that has 14 international players from all over the world, you know. So, you know, we've got players that come in with a lot of different things and different backgrounds and their own, you know, unique cultures, but you get into that room and you become part of that team and we're all the same, you know, we're all rowing in the same direction. Um, so I think culture is really unique. I think it's important. I think it's a buzzword that, you know, we all talk about and, you know, certainly in the sports world, it's something that's talked about a lot. You know, what's the culture in your locker room or there's a bad culture in the locker room, you know, and that's people, you know, the people yeah. sort of, uh, you know, create that identity. And uh, I think that there is a singular person that sort of sets you on the path. And certainly I'm in control of who comes into those, that locker room and, you know, what they bring with them. And in that, if you make the right decisions uh, and you get it right, then I think your culture stays strong. 
Mm. Now, he was have cool you had a time? I'm sorry. Sorry about that, John. No, you go ahead. Time. I was going to say, you know, it's really cool about the international players because your other players that are from, you know, the U.S., they get to learn from those players about their heritage, you know, their culture, which is really cool. And a lot of times, often, uh, that's where I really love soccer and the game is because when you can come together for, and meet other people from different parts of the world, it gives you a different perspective, which which is amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's it's really important, and it's um, you know it's something that I've always believed in, and it's it's an integral part in what we do. We 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 do purposely recruit international players, and we do purposely look to bring you know those people into our program because of exactly what you just said. You know, I think it's it's part of that process of of growing as a human being is being you know, exposed to and open to other cultures, other people, other backgrounds, other religions, other ethnicities. You know, I think that's that's so important in the world that we live in now. And, you know, now more than ever, I think we we see the detrimental impacts of that, you know, with things that go on in our country and across the world. I mean, you turn on on the TV for 20 minutes and you realize how depressing the world is. And, you know, and a lot of it is sometimes because of just narrow mindedness, you know, so we, we try to make it a point to break that in um, because yeah, the, the international guys bring in all of their shared ideas and backgrounds and cultures, but the Americans do that too. You know, a, a player from Miami is different than a player from, New Hampshire and is different from that kid from Texas, you know, so they bring their own unique identity to it as well. Uh, but we all have a shared purpose and that, that purpose is the game. And, you know, we have shared goals and when you're able to melt all those together, it's, it's really special and it really makes for a special environment and, you know, a great place to grow. Yeah. And when you're, when you're going about recruiting these international players, when you first started doing that, was there, was there a learning curve for you on, on how to, how to do that, how to approach it, how to communicate, you know, find the key things that they find interesting in your program. What was the kind of learning curve there for you specifically with the international players? It was brutal. (laughs) 20 years ago, it was absolutely brutal, you know, trying to make a phone call on an international line. You know, and now we, we can do what we're doing right here. You know, that that wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a possibility to to have a face to face conversation with, a you know, a kid or a parent or a family and have that human interaction. You know, it wasn't it wasn't possible without getting on a plane and, and flying somewhere and, and doing that 10, 15, 20 times a year. Um, you know, trying to get on Skype 15 years ago and it would break <laughs> up and freak yeah, it was just impossible. It was impossible. So it was um, the the learning curve, not so much. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be, you know, first generation generation American, and you know, from immigrant parents who migrated here and to build a life, and so th- those things are ingrained in me already. So it's you know, I, I I have the ability to create those connections and sort of understand where they're coming from and understand some of their concerns and struggles and, and those type of things. Um, but the whole, the, the inability to properly communicate, I'm a, I'm a touch it, feel it kind of guy, you know, I'm a, you know, I see my guys in the morning, it's a handshake and a hug. Like I'm that kind of person, you know, so not having the ability to really create those relationships uh, or having to do it over the course of, eight months, 10 months, 18 months, you know, is, 
uh, now we're able to do that a lot quicker. We're able to have a conversation, see someone's face and see their reactions and, you know, sort of work off of that. So um, it was really difficult early on. It was so time consuming to to do that. And don't even get me started on, you know, trying to pop a VHS in and figuring out how to look through grainy film. Like, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. And now it's, you know, it's instant. You know, a kid had a game yesterday, downloads it, shoots it over to you. You're watching you know, an AI generated game where it's following the game. So, you know, completely different. Um, Half the time, a quarter of the time, you know, to, to recruit an international now than it was, you know, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. And Eric, when you're looking, you know, for recruits and you're scouting top talent, are there specific attributes that you're looking for to know that, yes, this player would be a good fit for our program? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, there, you know, on two different paths, you know, you look at the player, you know, technically, tactically, um, you know, how they play the game, some of the, the physical attributes that that we're looking for um, in certain positions and in general. Uh, and then there are the, there's the person, there's the human element to it, you know, the character, the background, you know, the values, the morals, you know, those those things. Um, so it's really two different things that you initially look at and then you try to blend them together and, and see if you have the right fit for, for us and for our team. And it's uh, rarely is it ever a great player and a not so good person, you know, it has yeah. to, you know, it has to be both. Uh, and we don't, we don't compromise. And that's something that, you know, we've we've tried to stay pretty true to and and that takes time because you have to build a relationship. And um, I talk to to players, recruits all the time. I had a conversation this morning with, you know, a young man and his family. And it's it was the same thing, you know, figuring out if you're good enough to play for us and if you're going to have an impact on the field. That's easy. That's easy for yeah. me. To do. You know, we, again, not because I think I'm great at what I do. It's it, it's been long enough. We have an established way that we play. We have I have an, a player, you know, a specific skill set that I look for to fit into how we play. So seeing a good player and identifying whether or not you're good enough to play for us, that's easy. You know, it's that's easy to do. Whether or not you're the right fit and we want you here, that's the hard part. You yeah. know that part that is it comes down to relation relationship building and uh, it takes a bit of time um, and that's become a little bit more difficult with players now and the generation of players now because the communication is harder um, you know having them to getting them to be open and have a conversation yes. pick up a phone call when you call or you know not send you an emoji when you send them a text you know it's trying to <laughs> their language is in communicate and develop relationships is yeah. uh, more difficult. So how has the philosophy changed now? Because you're, you're entering, is it season 20 coming up in, in 2024? Is that, that accurate? That is accurate. Yeah. Thanks for making me feel old. Yeah, man. Sorry. <laughs> well, you <laughs> we'll, got, we'll hey, accomplished. Okay. Right, we'll say accomplished. I was going to say, you got a gray head of hair still. So I mean, come on, you're up on <laughs> us now. <laughs> yeah, it got, is. Gray's hair, but uh, you can't really see it on. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you touch on a little bit there. How how has your your philosophy and your approach to coaching evolved in twenty? Because obviously the players have, and obviously the way they communicate has evolved in twenty years, right? Can you look back at yourself even ten years ago, twenty years ago, and say, "Yeah, I, I've made the proper adjustments here on on my coaching philosophies." 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't think I would recognize that, you know, that guy that started in 2005, you know, um, I think it's important. Yeah. You know, I think it's important that you grow along with, you know, the times or people. I think it's, that's important. You have a way of doing something. And, and again, I said it earlier, being authentic is, is vital, you know, because people sniff that out and they, they know when you're faking it. And, you know, most people can read through that. And I don't think you can be a successful coach unless you're authentic. You have to believe in what you're saying. You have to believe in what you're preaching, because if you don't, you get found out. And if you get found out, you don't, you don't survive. Um, so yeah, it's been really important for me, for me to, you know, try to stay up with, with everything, you know, I've, 10 years ago, I'd probably say, yeah, there's no way that I'm using social media to recruit. Never going to happen. 100% you're using it. You know, we're using it to communicate now. I mean, you have mm -hmm. to, you know, you have to meet them on their level and you have to, you have to be on their platforms. Uh, and I think that's important. It's important to, to be relatable in, in that way uh, and be able to learn how to communicate, uh, not only throughout the recruiting process, but in the coaching process too. You know, players now, in my experience, what I've learned is that they're so much more visual. You know, you know, it's easier for me to show them something than it is for me to tell them something. You know, and and sometimes as coaches, we feel like we need to talk more. We need to say more. And they need to learn. But I need to tell them. Well, you need to show them. You know, and a lot of it uh, is technologically based. You know, being able to use video and be able to being able to you know, communicate and having those video sessions where you sat in a room and the coach just went forward, rewind, forward, rewind. Forward. Those are days are gone. Yeah. You know, they, you can't hold their attention for that long. So it's more about, all right, maybe we send them the clips and then we sit down with them after and review some of them, you know, so things have to change in terms of your approach and, and how uh, you try to communicate or deliver your message because how they're receiving the message is different as well. Uh, and if you don't evolve, you know, become a dinosaur and if yeah. you're a dinosaur, you know, things pass you by. And, um, thankfully after 20 years, I don't feel like I'm a dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> so I, try to, I try to stay up with it. Having a 12 year old helps because, you know, you can learn all these new slangs and innuendos <laughs> that they use that make no sense, but that's how they speak. So you got to figure it out. Now, has there been any, challenging season where perhaps it was injuries or some other circumstances that the season didn't go according to plan, but without that season, it probably made you a better coach. Did you maybe have any of those seasons where you're like, man, that was such a tough season, but I'm very grateful for that experience. Yeah, we've had a ton. Yeah, we've we've had a ton of seasons where, you know, we've had one win seasons, we've had uh, missed the playoff seasons, we've had, you know, go undefeated at home for 30 game seasons. So, you know, so wow. we've had a we've had a little bit of, of everything. And, um, you know, I, I use the catchphrase a lot or the, the slogan a lot that, you you know, you, you never lose. You either win or you learn. And mm -hmm. I think that's yeah, important. You know, you, you win and. You know, sometimes winning masks a lot of things and, and makes things seem better than they are. And, you know, losing does the same. Sometimes losing makes you feel like things are, are really worse than, than they actually are. And I think everything's kind of in the middle, you know, and, and if you learn how to win and you take the positives from that, which are obviously there, there are many, uh, but then you learn from your losses 
then you don't actually ever really lose. You're always moving forward. You're always growing, you know, and I, and I think if, you know, life, nothing stands still, right? You're even moving forward or, or you're getting left behind, you know, and essentially you're moving backwards in that case, but nothing ever stands stay, stand still. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've had a lot of seasons that, you know, have been, you know, turning points or, or pivotal points for, for me. Um, and a lot of times that just, you know, it either, it either makes you reinvent yourself or it makes you, you know, sort of relook at some of the things that you've done in, in winning seasons have done that too. You know, we've gone through most recently, you know, this season hasn't, wasn't great for us. Um, and we missed the playoffs again this season. And that's something that was, um, coming off of a season where we won everything, you know, we won out, we won the postseason. We, you know, we, we beat nationally ranked teams and we, we had a great season. And then 12 months later, or eight months later, you miss the playoffs, you know, and that's, that's something that's, that's difficult to swallow. And there's factors to it. The transfer portal is, there's a bunch of things that play into it, but um, I think those moments are, you know, sort of gut punches where, you know, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and pick yourself up and, you know, reconfirm the things that you know you do well and, and keep, you know, sending that message. Uh, and then relook at some things that you might have to do better and find ways to, to reinvent yourself and become a better version. Yeah, it's and, you know, you mentioned there talking about, you know, beating ranked teams, like having all these highs, having all these lows. You have all these, you know, emotions that go on in a soccer field, right? What I want to talk to you now about is off the soccer field and in soccer night in Newtown. Okay. This, this, when I saw this, this was incredible to me. Um, I'd love to hear you explain kind of what soccer night in Newtown is, how it came to be. And um, just, I'm sure the, the immense amount of pride you have in it. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, even talking about it now and, and you mention it and, you know, you kind of get a, a chill and, and some mm. goosebumps. You know, it was, it was such a, a crazy moment and, you know, crazy period in time where, you know, it's one of those things that you just never forget. And, um, you know, it, it came about, you know, I think I was sitting there watching the news and, you know, trying to wrap my head around what actually happened and the gravity of it and, you know, being pissed off and, you know, all these emotions at the same time. Um, and a friend of mine who, you know, we were acquaintances at the time. We, we became better friends over the years because of this. Uh, he went to, to Quinnipiac as well, a uh, man by the name of Chris Kennedy, and he actually played baseball at Quinnipiac, uh, but he was the president of the Houston Dynamo uh, in the MLS, and he's also a Connecticut native, you know, and he, out of the blue, I get a text from him and you know, hey, can you give me a call? Like, yeah, I just want to talk to you about what's going on up there right now. I need to give him a call. And it's just all feeling the same way, you know, pissed off, frustrated, upset. And then it immediately turned to, all right, what can we do? You know, what can we do to try to help? What can we do to, you know, we're not going to fix this thing. You know, we're not going to fix what happened. You know, we can try to advocate. And, you know, obviously things have been going on since. And we tragedies keep happening since. And I won't get into the whole political part of it. But at that point, it was, all right, what can we do? How can we how can we leverage our position um, in where we are? And him in the MLS and me at Quinnipiac at, in Connecticut. And how can we use our our contacts to, to try to help and make a difference. And, and we wanted to do that through, through sport, through soccer. 
um, Connecticut Football Club, which is the club that I still work for and I worked for at the time. You know, we had a lot of kids from Newtown, you know, that were in our program and on our teams. And, you know, you're making calls and you, are you OK? What's going on? How, you know, how how's it impacting you? How can we help? And, you know, we, we just said, you know, we, we want to try to make a difference. How can we use soccer to try to at least for a brief moment help people? You know, not forget because you never forget to this day. I still don't forget. And it's so real and vivid in my mind. But, you know, how do you try to bring some normalcy into that community in, in, a, in a really abnormal and, and evil, evil time? How do you try to shed some light? Um, so, you know, we tried to find a way, something that started off really small. You know, how can we, you know, can we set up a clinic? Can we do something where we just find a space and invite kids, whoever wants to come, want come, come play. Let's kick the ball around. Let's, you know, try to help in, in any way we can. And, and as a, a parent at the time as well is, you know, how do you have that conversation with it, with a kid? How do you help a kid understand this? Um, and we're like, all right, how can we make that kid feel like a kid and how can you help that parent for a small minute, a portion of time, not have to try to have that conversation is let their kid go be a kid. Uh, yeah. So it started off that way and it just, it grew <laughs> and, it, and it snowballed and uh, which was great because so many people wanted to help. And, you know, with Chris and his contacts in the MLS, you know, he pitched an idea out to some of the local MLS clubs, the revolution and, and the Red Bull at the time. And then, you know, the league office got wind of it and they go, wait a minute, we want to do something too. How can we help? And, you know, they sort of then took it from there and said, all right, we're going to utilize all of our resources and, and we're going to try to make this a real thing. And, and but we want to make it just about the community and just about those people, you know, so we didn't want press. We didn't want any of that. We just wanted to set up an event where people would come and there were a couple of celebrity players that we we asked to be involved and they immediately said, yes, I'll be there. What do you need from me? Uh, and it grew to, I think, every, you know, big player at the time in the MLS was there, you know, former national team players, you know, Kobe, Kobe Jones and Alexi Lalas and Mike Burns and Landon Donovan and on and on and on and on. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. Uh, and it just when you look at the list of people that were here and wanted to be a part of it, I mean, it might've been one of, one of the biggest, you know, celebrity soccer events that, um, that happened in a long time. And it didn't come with any of that glitz and glamor. It was just about those people. It was about those kids. It was about that community and how can we use the sport that we love and how can we leverage our positions in the sport uh, to try to give back to that community and 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 at least give them a moment, a brief moment of uh, of just happiness and joy, and and not live the life that they were all living at the time. Um, so I'm really proud of of obviously what you know what it turned out to be, uh, but it was really born from just an idea of two guys that wanted to help and then uh, wanted to do something, and then really seeing how much care and love and, and outpouring of support that there was for so many other people that made it just such a special event and something that, you know, hopefully everybody had, uh, had a positive experience with. That's amazing. I mean, just to bring some joy, you know, in their attention off of that tragedy. I mean, yeah. that's, that's amazing. And for all those players that wanted to be a part of something special, I mean, that just speaks to their character and yours as well, you know, and, and still kind of staying with the off the field stuff, but, you know, this has impacts on the field as well. In our preparation for the episode, you know, we're looking at your coaching staff and 
something that jumped out to us was the clinical sports psychologist that you have on your staff. Uh, I believe her name's Devin Markle. How has she impacted your program? Because, I mean, I don't know if you had that when you were playing for Quinnipiac. I certainly didn't have that. So just kind of seeing how that has impacted your program. Yeah, it's been it's been massive. And, you know, it was a um, a position that was created three years ago uh, through the athletic department. So uh, she works with all of our sports um, and we're, we're obviously, you know, privileged enough to have access to to her. And, you know, she comes from a sports psychology standpoint, so more of a performance based um, approach, but also, you know, the clinical side of it as well, which we both know that they go hand in hand, you know, the two are married to one another. Um, but she's been massive to be, to be completely honest with you. It's too big of a job for just her, you know, she's managing, I think we're at 22 programs and 400, you know, student athletes and, wow. you know, the, the undertaking of that kind of, of job is, is massive. Um, but she's great. You know, it's, it's been, it's been really important in the, in the early years, more so um, having a person in that position uh, that we had access to uh, in that professional capacity to sort of break down the walls and the barriers behind the stigma of an athlete seeking that type of help. You know, we're, as athletes, where it's about, I got to be strong, I got to be fast, I gotta, I'm an athlete, I can't be weak. And yeah. Y'all know that's that's not the case. You know, I, I wish I had access to that uh, when I was playing. But um, not only did you not have access to it, there was that stigma to it. You know, you you, you shouldn't go for help. Um, but that was really important to, you know, because we kept preaching it and we talk about it. And, you know, I've had a few assistant coaches uh, over the course of, of my time that that we hired and brought on that had a sports psychology background. You know, and they were able to, you know, parlay that into what we do on a daily basis and they were able to help. But to have, you know, someone who that's their only job and that's, you know, her undertaking has, has been has been really important, um, you know, because we need it. You know, people, players need it. People need it now and having the ability to have that outlet and, and being able to use it whether you go in from a performance standpoint at first and it evolves into other things or vice versa uh they're all tied in you know it's it's your state of mind and 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 your mental health is tied into how you're able to perform and if you want to perform at your best then you need to be physically at your best but you need to be mentally at your best as well you know so it's just we we approach it as it's another mechanism to our training you know, you have a sports, you know, have a, a strength and conditioning coach and you go into the gym because you want to get bigger, stronger, faster. And there's no stigma to that because you go in and you can't lift fucking 20 pounds. And then by the end of it, you're, you're pushing 225, you know, yeah, but right. you with that. You know, so why is there a stigma when you go in and you say, hey, I'm really struggling to, you know, to deal with, you know, coming off the bench and I need to make a bigger impact. Or, you know, I was I had a big role to play early in the season and now I don't, you know, it's important to to be able to have an outlet to be able to go through those things as well. Uh, so it's been huge. It's been massive. Uh, we don't do as much as we should. We need to do more. We should do more, but she's one person yeah. <laughs> and we can't, uh, we can't keep her all to ourselves. So, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been a game changer. You know, we, we've been able to uh, now in year three, there is no stigma. It's, it's part of what we do. And, 
you know, we have our team building activities that we do early on and, you know, being able to figure out how to communicate with one another, how to deal with, you know, adversity and stresses and all the things that come into being, uh, you know, a, an elite division one athlete. Uh, and then it morphs into the individual meetings and, you know, players being able to to be able to add that as part of their their normal routine. So it's it's been massive to break down those walls, break down those those stigmas and stereotypes. And it's just another part of being great. How can I be great? This is a part of that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's something that it's great for the players, obviously evolve as time goes on. Like you said, think about it five years ago. Was that even a thing? You know, was that even like a thing that a lot of places um, were paying attention to who knows. Right. But now moving forward, it's going to be probably paramount in every single, um, you know, school and every single program in the country. So you know, yeah. that's great for the players. And now I look at it, we're talking to you today and I'm like, well, you know, you're going around the globe doing all these things. Like you said, from the sun comes up, the sun goes down, you're busy, you're doing stuff too. So how do you, how do you take care of yourself? What are some self care, you know, items that you kind of like to dive into when you have the time uh, to kind of keep yourself on track and fresh? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question because I, again, it's, it's one of those practice what you preach type of things. And and we preach so much as coaches and, you know, we talk about all these things and all these resources and, you know, a lot of my colleagues and I, you know, I've, I've got some of my best friends who um, I grew up with played college with and, and they're in the profession as well. And it's like, all right, well, who coaches the coaches, you know, who takes care of us, you know, <laughs> where do we make our appointments And it? You just don't have the time to do that. You're just always moving on to the next thing. So there are a lot of things that I try to do and that I enjoy doing. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, I just, I don't do them regularly enough. You know, yeah, yeah. I got into reading for a while and it's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to read a little bit every night or whatever. And, you know, you start to, to do that, which I love, love doing it. It just, I don't do it consistently enough. You know, it's, yeah, we got the Peloton and I love it. I love when I get on the Peloton, I feel great. I don't do it consistently enough. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, to sit in the in the sauna and you know take 30 minutes and kind of just sweat it out that i love it don't do yep. it consistent enough you know so there are things that i enjoy doing mm-hmm. um but uh, regrettably I'm, I'm i'm pretty bad at you know being able to go okay me first i'm gonna do this because i need these 30 minutes to do whatever it's you're on to the next thing and, you, and you're trying to you know you're trying to do stuff for other people uh and i right. think it's it's really important. You know, self-care is important. I get it. I know that I feel good when I do it, but you know, sometimes you just put yourself second and you, you put others first, you know, the thing that I probably do most consistently is, yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes I just want to be a homebody, you know, so it's about family and you get Saturday night off and it's, Hey, let's go to dinner. Let's go do this. And I'm like, let's just sit on the couch. Yeah. It's something that, yeah, it's, it's important. And, and I do preach that too. I preach it to all of our players too. It's, you can't, it can't be soccer 24 seven. Like you have to have something else that you do. You have to have something else that you're passionate about and that, you know, takes you away from the game for a little bit. Cause you can't be great at this unless you know that it's not your whole identity. It can't be all of who you are. Um, so we, we preach that a lot, but. I'm probably the, the worst. I guess, you know, doctors make the worst patients. And yeah, I, you know what, man? We, we, we were just talking about yeah. something like that. We're, we're getting ready for a speaking engagement on Monday and we were running through something and, and, uh, 
the topic was was kind of referencing back to I needed to practice what I was preaching. We had a camp that we were putting on. Um, it just ended up not going the way we wanted to. Brian was on vacation at the time, so like our planning was a little off, and I was panic mode, like full. And I never am. And I was like, oh, "We got to do this. We got to do that." And it, and Brian's like going through all the stuff that we tell other people to do. You know, again, practice what you preach. And I'm my head spinning a million miles an hour, and it's just so funny to say that. Like you're absolutely right. Doctors are the worst patients, and in, in this yeah. case, like you know, coaches are the worst coaches. You know what I mean? Like you got to listen to yourself there yeah. for a minute. But uh, it's interesting you say that. It's so true. Yeah, you know, honestly, Eric, this has been a this has been a lot of fun. You know, having you come on has been great, and we just want to acknowledge you. You know, for not only the success of the program, but you're impacting young men. You know, you're showing them how to be a leader, you know, on and off the field. And when we're talking about culture, I mean, it's it's obvious that you're focusing on having a good human being come into your program. And that's why you have been s- successful for long. So we want to acknowledge you for not only the success that you have with Quinnipiac, but again, for impacting young boys' lives. Yeah, look, I, and I, I appreciate that. It's it's not about me. It's it's about, you know, these kids. It's about the people that we bring in. It's my staff. It's it's the people that have, have, have worked with me, assistant coaches, strength coaches. All I mean, we all go into what we try to produce on 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 the back or, or what the output is on the back end so it's it's not about me you know it's it's i'm nothing without these guys you know they give me purpose in in what i do and uh, and people you know talk about your job and work it doesn't feel like that you know it's it's feels like something i do this is what i do um and i get that i get that gratitude back from them you know, which which sort of reignites you to to keep going and keep doing what you're doing. But it doesn't feel like that. It's never felt like uh, trophies on the wall or wins and losses. It just feels like the journey. It's part of the journey. And I feel like, you know, I'm trying to do for others that I have had done for me or try to better their experience because of experiences that I didn't necessarily have. So, you know, it's, it's about them and we're successful because of the people that we have and, and the people that I'm really fortunate enough to work with. And and that's what it's all about. Awesome. That's awesome. We will definitely be bringing our families to support you guys and please come support the Quinnipiac men university soccer team in 2024. Eric, best of luck in your recruiting as well. Thank you guys, man. I appreciate you both. Keep doing awesome. what you're doing. You guys make the uh, the same impact in getting those messages out. So I appreciate that. And, and thanks for having me on. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, thanks man. Eric. Appreciate it.